this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hey everyone and welcome to the We'll See You in Hell podcast, now a part of the Fangoria Podcast Network. For more information about the network, including other programs, how to follow the show, and find past episodes of We'll See You in Hell, please visit Fangoria.com. Now, on with the Joe. <laughs> How'd that feel? Did you like that? It felt great. That's you my first it? time doing it. Yeah. Uh, they say you never forget your first time. I've already forgotten it, but... You like being in the driver's seat, though? I do. I, I, I think I have kind of an announcery voice. You know, not like a, not good enough to announce like a Tonight Show or something, but maybe like a, a local uh, car sale. You know, yeah. October Honda Days or something. Yeah. I, I think I could do that pretty well. I always pictured you being the, the, the voice they play at like festivals before the shows. Where they'll be like, please remember, no flash photography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they'll have that stock recording. And then, like, one bad joke at the end. I could see you doing something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know? Think sure. bigger is my point. All right. Uh, look. I've done a little voiceover work. Maybe you've seen MTV's Popzilla? I haven't. Oh, it's a very short-lived. Uh, it was like TMZ, but animated. It was very funny. It was on MTV. I only, uh, I was a big fan of Bling Kong. Uh, I don't know what that is. It's, I'm joking. It's oh, just another sorry. shitty monster pun. No, I was uh, I was the Popzilla announcer and I played a lot of voices Sean Penn a bunch of other people um, Bling Kong, nothing on Bling Kong I, I don't even know what you're talking about Bling, King Kong Bling Kong that doesn't sound like an MTV oh Popzilla po- yeah didn't even make the connection yeah or or Pop Carson as you would uh, refer to him <laughs> per our last discussion we'll call back to last week uh look it's our Christmas holiday Hanukkah episode here Patty and uh and Kwanzaa and Kwanzaa, sorry. Well, you know, I read recently, I looked at the dates of Kwanzaa recently. It's, it's, I think it's way farther away from Christmas and Hanukkah than I thought it was. Like, like a January? It was, f- maybe I looked at the wrong thing, but it was far enough away, because I never knew when it was. Yeah. So I looked it up, and I was like, it's so far away. Like, I don't, I guess because it's the same concept, but I was like, it does, it's almost like not even in the same uh, time frame or whatever. I feel like it was... Way closer to Thanksgiving or Kwanzaa 2016. <laughs> well, you're right as always, Joe. Monday, December 26th. Oh, really? All right. Well, <laughs> until what the hell was Sunday, January 1st. So basically, the exact same holidays that we all have. Wow. Well, uh, all right. Glad I looked that up so I could really dunk on you with that one. Apologies. Well, it wasn't really a dunk. That was like having somebody come in and dunk the ball for you, and then you being like faced. It was kind of a dunk. No, no, it's sort, really. It was sort of a dunk. You you looked it up on a computer. <laughs> uh, my point is, is since this is our Christmas episode, and we spent so much time last week tangenting 
if you will. Uh, maybe we just get right into the movie this week, unless there's something else you want to talk about first. Uh, if if you want to do any, no, uh, I'm ready. Uh, what do you want for Christmas this year, though, Joe? Maybe we'll do that real quick. Well, I asked for some some cool stuff. Uh, what, what's your number one? I don't need the whole list. Well, I'm let me not actually up. Santa Claus. You know, I I, I thought you were because, <laughs> folks, you can't see Pat these days, but really shagging it out. Yeah, hair's growing long, beard's getting bushy. I've gone completely white. <laughs> and for some reason, he's wearing red pants and black boots everywhere, <laughs> which I don't get. Uh, what's your number one? Because I'm looking up my number one right now because I can't remember what the box set is actually called. You know, uh, and this is going to sound corny, for somebody this miserable day in and day out, I have pretty much everything I want. I don't, I, I don't know what to say uh, when people ask what I want. I'm I'm due for an electric guitar. Mine was stolen years ago, and I missed it so much that I just never bought another. I've had a variety of acoustics, and now i got a really nice one. Mm-hmm. I want an electric guitar. And between you and me, I'll tell you post-Christmas, I think that's what my girlfriend got me. And I didn't even tell her that's what I want. But I smell it in the air. I think she knows that's what I want. Uh, my my two uh, top picks, that, and I, I, I asked my mommy for both of these. All right. Uh, the Exorcist Three Collector's Edition, as we've discussed sure. many times, because we're finally going to get to see that uh, director's cut. Right. And the Herschel Gordon Lewis, uh, the Feast is the name of the box set. Oh, okay. Or, or excuse me, the Herschel Gordon Lewis Feast is the name. It is the seventeen disc limited edition box set of every Herschel Gordon Lewis film, I believe. Um, he did what, like basket case? He did. Uh, well, he did Blood Diner, which was his big one. He's sort Blood of the guy Diner. that broke. He kind of. He kind of was the first to cross the frontier into extreme gore in the 60s. Okay. So a lot of really crazy, bloody, gory shit. I think in Blood Diner, he ripped the woman, gets her tongue ripped out of her mouth. Okay. And they do the effect with like a cow's tongue. Sure. But, you know, he's one of these guys, extreme whatever, banned in 16 states, you know, those kind of exploitation horror movies. You can't find a better title than Blood Diner. Yeah, they remade it recently. But yeah. then the remake looked too, I don't know, it didn't look right to me. Anyway, so uh, I'm, uh, that's, that's really the big one. It's a 17-disc box set. And as you can see from my unopened Werner Hortzog, uh and John Cassavetes and Honeymooners uh, and Midnight Special box sets over there, I get them and then I just let them sit there. I do the same fucking thing, and I, I think it's just not having enough time, but I have that same Werner Herzog box set also unopened. And I want. I have seen only like two of his movies. I want to see so many more, and I haven't done it. There's something about opening a box set and not digging into it. Yeah. Because what what I'll do sometimes is I'll open it and I'll get through one disc or two discs. Yeah. And then it's just open. There's something about keeping it new in until the, you have the, a week to really. Yeah, with the yeah. thought that you're going to do the whole thing at once. I just got. I talked about it last week. This Oliver Stone uh, book by. Matt Zoller Seitz, so a fantastic writer, New York Times and various other places. He did an amazing Wes Anderson book, and I went through Wes Anderson's movies reading it. I read each chapter and then watch the movie or vice versa. It was fantastic. It talked about his interview, you know, interviews, his influences. Uh, they showed you side by side comparisons of the movies that interviewed him and, and, and you know, uh, what Anderson did with those influences. It was amazing. Now he released one with Oliver Stone. It's a bigger uh, even more in-depth book with all these insane interviews. I opened it to one page. Oliver Stone's talking about like getting ripped with Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis 
it gets stoned, but, you know, and uh, shooting natural born killers. So I have an Oliver Stone box that I've had for years. I've seen maybe only half his movies. I'm going to go through it, read each article over Christmas break. I can't wait to do it. I have that same box set. And I recommend that book highly. I have that same box set. I went through about half of it. Yeah. Uh, Gets a little... It wears on you after a while. He's he's a very overpowering filmmaker, yeah. Yeah, and the movies just get longer and longer. They do. I'll tell you, though, my favorite... I, I've seen probably most of that box set, even though I didn't watch all of it when I, you know, I've seen some of the movies that I haven't watched it since I purchased it or whatever. But I think my favorite, and people go, people scoff at this. I think my favorite Oliver Stone movie is Talk Radio. I love it. It's his I most like simple lot. film. I could see you in that play, playing that lead role. It's a dr- I swear to you, Patty, it's a dream role of mine. I always wanted to play that, and I always felt I'll direct that I- you up at the Burbank Playhouse. <laughs> I always felt that After, I had it. Uh, David Arquette's Sherlock Holmes yeah. wraps up. Yeah. Well, when I do uh, when I do Tinder in the dating websites, I put a Bogosian type. <laughs> That'll get the panties that's, moist. That's my one sentence thing. Two least favorite words of every woman in America. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh, let's get to the film. Yeah, but I had I had one other thing. What, what are we talking? We're talking all. Over. Oh, I know Woody Harrelson. Sorry, I wanted to clear up. I, it's funny that I sometimes want to clear up something from a previous podcast because really most of what we do is give wrong information. But in particular, I panicked last week when I left. I've managed to meet Woody Harrelson like three or four times. The show I write for, he I guess he knows all the actresses somehow. And I talked a few weeks ago about how I was at this Halloween party. Yeah. And he was there with this. And I, I said kind of coldly, middle-aged Asian woman or age-appropriate Asian woman. And he was, you know, drinking out of the bottle of vodka and grinding on this woman. And you were like, why are you blowing up a spot? Well, I didn't say why. I just said blowing up a spot. Right. So then I left and I was like, fuck. Because I, I was like, well, he's a single man. Then I thought, shit, what if he's married and he was there cheating on his wife? What if and, he's just got a long-term girlfriend? Right. And I don't think Woody Harrell's listening to the podcast, obviously. But things get to people. So I kind of panicked and I looked it up. Sure enough, he's been married to this woman since the Cheers days. Well, there you go. And it made me love him all the more. He's just a monogamous, happy man grinding with his wife of like 35 years at a Halloween there party. There you go. Well, that's I love nice. it. That's I, lo- nice. I love Woody Harrelson. And he steals uh, the movie I talked about last week, The Edge of 17, which I'm going to recommend again because I loved it so much. He's great in that movie. I like him when he plays just a real person. When he's when they waste him in a Hunger Games, as they did with Philip Seymour. Philip Seymour Hoffman. His last role, I think, is the third Hunger Games movie. No, that, his that's last... That's fucking miserable to his me. His last role... Oh, wait. His Well, his last starring role was that one where he's like the Russian... Yeah, that was an interesting movie. It was depressing. He was it's, great. It was, it was, I couldn't handle it. It was too much for me. It wasn't great, but he was really great in it. Did you ever see as God's, he always is. Did you ever see God's Pocket with him and John Turturro? Interesting movie. I liked it. I loved it. And you, I never heard a thing about it. Yeah, and that was right towards the same end. same with uh, owning Mahoney and Love Liza and all those he did. Yeah. Back, the one where he, the gambling one, I think that's owning Mahoney. That's a rough fucking movie. I don't think Love Liza's any. No, Love Liza's <laughs> not fun either. Any smoother of a sale, but. All right, the movie we're talking about this week is Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh, this was my first time viewing it. Joe, yours? This was my first time viewing it as well. Um, it was one of those movies. I was I was on the road 
and I saw the double feature DVD of it with both parts one and two, and it, was, it just hit me. I was like, why have I never seen this movie? Yeah. And then I was sitting in the store, and I started looking it up on Wikipedia and reading all this really interesting stuff about the film, and, uh, and then I went on Amazon and bought it instead of supporting the store because... Oh. It was like $9 cheaper, brand new on Amazon. It was used in the store for like $20. See, so, and I hate that I do that too. You know, I'll be at Amoeba or a used record store and look something up, and I'm like, I could save $20 get it on Amazon, but it, it eats at you. I, I'll say this. When and I'm and a, you and I are all pissed that Amoeba's closing, and maybe we contributed. But I spent a ton of fucking I did money some intel. Amoeba. They're not closing. All right, good. They said they'll be there for at least another, like, six years. I think and three then years, probably yeah. longer. All right, whatever. All right. It's fine. Here's the thing, too, though. I feel a little bad if I do it at a real mom and pop. Yeah. I give Amoeba plenty of my money, I and think. I don't feel bad when I do it in there. Also, because... I mean, I've seen grocery stores less crowded than Amoeba Records. That's true. Like, That's it's, true. It's, I, I, you go in there at 11 a.m., the place is fucking packed. Yeah. So, you know, and they're overpriced, too. I love them, but they they're are. a little overpriced. They are. Anyway. For new shit. And for, and for you shit, frankly. Yeah. But then some of the stuff is they're just giving it to you. It doesn't yeah. make any damn sense. I've made some fines there where I bring it up, and I'm like, surely they're going to say you switched a price tag or something. That's <laughs> me, too. And they'll look at it kind of skeptically like, what? <laughs> But it works out. Or I'm like, the record will be scratched. You get home, and it sounds amazing. So let's get to the synopsis of Silent Night, Deadly Night. I'm just going to read this straight off the DVD box. Uh, Actually, this is the first thing on the... If you flip the DVD over, this is the first thing it says. It's not the synopsis. It says, community leaders tried to suppress them. The PTA fought to ban them. Now one of the most controversial slasher films of all time, and its sicko sequel... Are back. Why not sequel? Uh, I don't know. All right. Both of these gorehound holiday favorites have been restored from the original vault materials, chock full of gratuitous nudity and grisly violence, then stuffed with jolly extras for the absolute ultimate in season's bleedings. Nice. I think the Crypt Keeper wrote this. Crypt Keeper. Silent Night, Deadly Night is the heartwarming story (laughs) of little Billy, who was traumatized by his parents, Christmas Eve rape and murder. <laughs> His parents. I think they probably could have specified uh, that the mom got raped, not both of them. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the dad didn't just just got murdered. Yeah, not that it's any less horrific, yeah. but it, that sounds like they both were. Uh, he is then brutalized by sadistic orphanage nuns. But when a grown-up Billy is forced to dress as Jolly St. Nick, he goes on a Yuletide rampage to punish the naughty, in quotes. Santa Claus is coming to town, dot, dot, dot. And this time, he's got an axe. <laughs> Robert Brian Perfect. Wilson and Lania Quigley star in this jaw-dropping horror hit that a nation of angry mothers still can't stop. It's true. And I, um, I consider myself an expert now on the backstory of the, the controversy surrounding Silent Night, Deadly Night. I'd like to go into that after we discuss the movie a bit. Um, the movie itself, you know, it's just like what they said. You're watching this thing. There's a very unsettling scene where, which I didn't even really get why they needed it, but they, they take a, a young couple takes their son to visit their grandpa, who's like an Alzheimer's patient yeah. in the hospital, and he's sitting like catatonic. Then the parents leave the room for unexplained reasons. I guess they both need to go to the bathroom together. Right. And the grandpa turns to him, and he's like, Santa's gonna kill you, basically. (laughs) 
and it's a terrifying scene, but also beyond ludicrous. That the whole setup, you're like nothing about. Now, all it took was a slight tweak to make this a realistic scene, but it was ludicrously handled. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing too. They in it, before before the grandpa starts speaking. Yeah, they go out of their way to establish several times over this man hasn't talked in. 15 yeah. years or something yeah. like that yeah so then he so then he starts talking to the kid of course as soon as the parents go back come back into the room the guy goes catatonic again right so you don't know is this in the kid's head yes is this their way of saying this kid's always been a little off right but the point is is the the grandfather tells him santa claus is going to murder him for some reason yeah so uh, and then they're in the car and the kid goes grandpa told me santa claus is going to murder me and instead of the parents going that's crazy, and that's uh-huh. not true, and whatever. They go, but Grandpa doesn't talk, and the mom just goes, well, he's got no reason to lie. And the dad goes, okay. Yeah, so this they're over it. father who's been catatonic for 15 years, the dad doesn't even give a shit that a Christmas miracle has literally happened. Yeah. Maybe like, let's turn this car around. You know, we yeah. got Dad talking? Yeah, let's go talk to him. Uh, so uh, this movie currently holds a 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's way better than that. I, I mean, agree. It's a, it's a 39% audience score, which is also it's not stupid. right. It, it seemed like something I should have seen at the New Beverly. I know that's, a, that's an L.A. reference, but it's got a real grindhouse sleazy feel to it that I love. Like, what, what we're talking about as strikes against it are, are not somehow. Lights Out last week had huge problems in logic, and we were ranting and complaining about them. The problems with this one are just sort of part of its charm. You know, like, it's just like, let's get to the killings. You don't really care about this shit. The kid is honestly a great little actor. He was adorable. And there's a Santa, a man posing as Santa. He, sh- he robs a convenience store, shoots the guy. Then he's pretending to be broken down in the middle of the street. He attacks them both. He lays the mother down, rips her blouse open, and rapes her on the side of the road. Right. Which was, like, insane to me. Yeah. Disturbing. Um, Quite kill, disturbing. The kid's watching it all. He goes into this nunnery where they're they're forcing in nudity. By, by the way, by the way, don't leave this out. The kid watches from the side of the road as the baby is just in the back seat. Yeah. And they never come back to that. They never talk about the baby. Now, I know in the sequel. Yeah. Well, no, isn't the baby in the at the end of this one or did i dream that no i thought the baby's like kind of grown up at the end of this one and he's i like, mean unless that kid at the very end is supposed to, no no it's i not. thought that was supposed to be the baby no in the sequel let's not we'll get to this okay. we'll get to the sequel but the point is 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 the ba- there's a baby in the back seat and they never even bother to say hey where, what the hell happened to this baby yeah. uh so you don't know if the guy killed the baby too it's 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 an upsetting scene it is um, so then the kid gets shuffled off to this orphanage where nuns are fucking in it for some reason. Yeah, it's a very strict nunnery. And then the kid pull, like starts hearing some moaning. And I'm like, well, this has got to be something really fucked up because it can't be people having sex in a nunnery. Right. And he opens the door. And sure enough, it's like real gratuitous fucking going on. And already I'm on board. I'm comfortable with this movie. I'm loving it. I'll tell you. And, uh, you know, this might be TMI, but I like I believe our listeners want the truth. That scene aroused me so much, I had to go masturbate to nun porn afterwards. <laughs> I had to Google nun porn. <laughs> the, uh, there was so much great nudity in it, particularly the girl that he's banging on his uh, pool, pool table. Yeah. And then she gets hung from uh, deer antlers on the wall. Well, that was... And that that was, girl was, like, off the charts. She looked like a Barbie. 
and that was an odd scene which comes later in the film. Let's before we get to that. All right. So what happens now is the kid grows up into being they cut to just jumps like 18 years later. He's like yeah. a strapping young man for some reason still living in the orphanage. Yeah. Uh, and for some reason <laughs> like hunky. Real hunky. Like why not I guess you know, he wasn't a great actor. Why not make him kind of an Anthony Perkins type? That's what I was what I was wondering myself. And I'll tell you this. I guess because you had to believe that he was strong. Yeah. Uh, which we will also get to. But the thing for me was, this was the twist in the film where I was like, because I didn't read the back of the box. I just bought the damn movie. Right. I thought for sure the Psycho Santa at the beginning was going to be the Psycho Santa. I was like, man, they're really getting into this thing. Yeah. This kid's going to have to get to the cops and convince them that Santa's killing people. They don't want to hear it. They don't believe him. Yeah. You know, but no. And I, I honestly thought it was it was actually going to be Santa. But when I started the movie, I thought that Santa was actually homicidal this year or something. Really? Yeah. Well, that would have been great. Yeah. Like, not even a Krampus, just a crazy Santa. Right. That's what I was I expecting. I think that's what that... Goldberg, the wrestler, Santa Claus movie is. Okay. I won't uh, see that, but fine. But anyway, um, so the kid now gets a job at a, at a... They've established, by the way, at this point, that anytime the word Christmas even comes up... He, it's a trigger. Yeah, it's a trigger. He starts having flashbacks. He starts screaming naughty or nice. Yes. He starts working at a Walgreens where the, the boss is the guy from every single sitcom. Uh, it's that the, creepy it's, looking dude. Yeah, it's 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 Anthony Michael Hall's dad from Weird Science. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's just he's the boss of the store guzzling alcohol. <laughs> kind of making passes at his staff. Uh it's really uncomfortable and the, that whole scene was so weird and so not based on any kind of reality that I of course loved it. It was an insane scene and then one of the guys, like, working in the stock room brings the cute girl that our hero well, likes as well. But you skip something here. He's working, in the, he's working in the store, and it's all going swimmingly yep. until talk of the big Christmas party comes up. Yes. And the boss says, I'm going to need you to do me a favor. The, the, the all shucks kid is like, anything for you, Mr. Wilson, whatever the fuck his name I is. I need you to be Santa, yeah. He needs him to dress up as Santa. Now the kid is in the skin of right. the holiday right. that makes him have fucking like Vietnam flashbacks, essentially. So, so now, now they're having the party. They're all getting wasted. Ten feet away from the party where the co- co-workers, by which I mean three people, yeah. are sitting in like downing shots of bourbon at 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. And it's Christmas Eve, which I love. Nobody's yeah. got a family to get no. to. They're all just like, let's get blasted. Yeah, let's stay at this Walgreens and drink together. Yeah. Then... Ten feet away from his three co-workers, this guy tries to rape the cute girl who works like in the in the stock room. The world. co-worker. The co-worker who our hero likes. Lays her down in the back room and he's going to rape her. And then our hero comes back and just starts going to town and the killing begins. Because he sees the raping happen or the attempt at raping happen he's to in save the, the girl. Suit. Yeah. Now this is where he the flash is back. They do a flash as her blouse gets open and her tits fall out. They do it. This is how tasteless this movie is. They do a flash <laughs> to his mom's blouse being ripped open yes. and her tits falling yeah, out. Yeah. Now, this is where the movie starts to get not just disturbing, but a little confusing. Because here's what happens. The girl, the woman he's in love with secretly is about to be raped yeah. by this asshole guy that he works with. The guy comes in in the Santa Claus suit, sees it. It triggers him. He starts screaming naughty. 
He takes, I believe, some Christmas lights, yeah. throws them around the guy's neck, hangs him. Yeah. This is where the strapping young lad stuff comes in. The guy has, like, superhero he- strength through the yeah. whole movie. Just, pu- like, literally just pulley s- system style, hangs the guy with Christmas lights. Then the woman goes, that was you're nuts. crazy. Get the fuck away from me. To him, the guy who just saved her. She's like, <laughs> what the fuck's the matter with you? She turns on a dime. Yeah, it, it, there's literally no, like, hey, thanks for that, but what the fuck? It's just, yeah. you're fucking crazy. Then what he murders the her. What's wrong with you? He saved you from being raped. <laughs> That's what's wrong with him. Then he murders her immediately. He murders I don't know her. Why he mur- this is where I st- I'm going, which, but she wasn't doing anything yeah. wrong. What, why is she getting murdered? Now? Right. I just assume because the nudity brought back. That is but. what I thought. Then he goes and murders the boss, the drunk boss, and the other coworker. I don't know what the hell they did. Nothing. <laughs> and he's saying punish. I, you know what? Looking back, that's probably why they had him chugging so much alcohol, is that he was punishing him for being a drunk, probably. Okay, but what about the old lady? But this isn't like Seven, where these people had legitimate crimes. Drinking a little bourbon on Christmas Eve is no crime. They really, if it was, folks, I'd be in jail. <laughs> They really do play it up, though. The second the store locks, the guy is repeatedly going, let's get drunk. <laughs> yeah. So that I didn't occur to me at the time, but probably they were trying to set him up as a guy who needs to be punished as well. And there is there and is was a little handsy with his coworker. I will. There say. is there. And there is there is some sort of hinting that maybe the older woman that works there and he have some kind of they might fuck. Now, let me ask you this, because here's where I thought it was going. When he's like, we're not hiring anybody. I don't that the old guy's like, I don't want to hire anybody. We don't need anybody at the store. And the nun's like, maybe you should meet him first. And he comes in and it's this hunky kid. And then the guy's like, oh, we I guess we could always use a little help. Was he supposed to be a perv? No, 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 I think it was. No, that scene felt very sexualized to me. I I didn't get that at all. What I got from it was he was saying like because he goes, it's a job for a man, not a boy. And then she's like, well, look at him. Despite his age, he can do the job. And he was just like. And then later they talk about the boss being kind of like a cheapskate or something. Right, right, right. I think that was supposed to be like his dollar signs going off. Like, oh, I can pay a a man sized boy shit money to do all this crazy work for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, Um, by the way, again. It's like a wall. What the fuck do, do, are they doing? They're gra- <laughs> by the way, they're almost gratuitous, gratuitously showing Star Wars toys in the background of yeah. every scene in this thing is yeah, the yeah, Job yeah. of the Hut playset right. from 1983. And I'm sitting there going, how the fuck did Lucas okay the Star Wars products to be in these in this film? He probably didn't. Yeah, I guess maybe it was before you weren't you just yeah. couldn't do that or whatever. Yeah, I mean you could sample music for free. It was a different time. So anyway, he then leaves and he he leaves we the store. We don't need to go be this linear about it. I don't think, but he he goes on a killing rampage from he there. He goes on a killing. Here's where I'd like to be linear. Yeah, because he goes he starts on this killing rampage. Uh, he attacks the couple that you said are that are fucking on a pool table. Yeah. Now the crazy part about that is. It's a babysitter fucking her boyfriend right. on the pool table of the house where she's babysitting. The kid's right there. The kid's there. It's like 11 p.m. on Christmas Eve. You're like, where the fuck are this kid's parents at? <laughs> Whose yeah. parents are out at 11.30 on a Christmas Eve? Very valid. And then also, how Didn't did, think of it, but very valid question. How does he find them? It's not yeah. like he gets tipped off in some way or hears moaning. He just walks into a house and happens to find two people fucking. Yeah, and they didn't it's not like they bullied him when he had no ties to them at all. He just walks into a house and kills people who are fucking as he walks into their house. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I will say, the best scene in the movie is the kid sledding. The little kid, the little the little girl finds him, and she says she thinks he's really Santa, and he's of course looks horrific. He's got like blood in his beard and shit, right? And he's all dirty, and she's like, "Are you Santa?" And he's like, "Yes." And she and he goes, "Naughty or nice?" And she goes, "I've been I've been nice." Yeah. And he's got a knife. He and she he goes, "Well, I brought you a special present," and he has a knife. Yeah. And you think. This is horrible. He's going to kill the little girl. Then he hands her the knife as her present, like the blood-stained knife. I thought that was a fucking brilliant. It was. Brilliant scene. It was very intense. And then he goes and kids are sledding. I don't know what their crime was. Well, he beheads the kid that steals the sleds. This guy's really lucking oh, out, finding assholes just out and about doing shitty stuff on Christmas Not Eve. Not even that shitty, though. <laughs> like, Dexter was killing people who did terrible crimes. Really, this movie is Dexter Santa Claus. Yeah, but if Dexter killed people for, like, you know, stealing, like, a pack of chewing gum or something like yeah. that. I went to Six Flags yesterday. I had a blast, and there's a water park next to it. And my buddy Ian that I went with was, like, telling me about this story about how at this water park, uh, a little kid got so tangled and mangled in the slide on the way down that he was decapitated. Oh, God. And I was like, can you imagine being down in the pool, like, waiting for your kid and his head rolls out? Jesus Christ. Sure enough, in this movie, he cuts them off, and the friends are all waiting for him for the sled to come down and down rolls this head. And it was disturbing, but of course, it looked very fake. Now, did your version have the added footage? I, I, I taped it, and you can tape it, too, off of Showtime. I think it's on all month. Um, actually, I had recorded it months and months ago, so maybe it's not still on. But Okay, so that's probably, I'm assuming, the edited version. The version I have... Yeah is the uncut, uh, and there's actually a card that comes up before the movie starts that says, please excuse the quality of some of the footage in the film, Okay. but it was the best we could do to put the film back into its original state Okay. and whatever. So there's there's a lot, you know, every, every so often it would go to that sort of grainy VHS-looking yeah. film, and you go, okay, this was just added back in. A lot of extra gore. Okay. Like knife, when he kills the girl he's in love with, like they show the knife dragging up like her chest. Yeah, that decapitation scene had a lot more, had a lot more gore in it. All right. Uh, so I, I, I would I would recommend if you're gonna, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, you should you should you should watch the uncut. Uh, yeah. Because I mean, by today's standards, it's not that crazy. But all right. Well, then take us to the ending, and I'm going to go into the backstory of the film. Well, the ending is he finally makes his way. Well. This is why I wanted to go through it linear, linearly. You're a good hour and ten into this movie going, man, they really just streamlined this fucking thing. There's no protagonist. There's nobody trying to save the day. Yeah. The cops haven't been nothing. Yes. Then finally, somebody goes to the cops in like the last 15 minutes. Now they got to find him. They say he's on the way to the orphanage. I forget how they figure that out. The inevitable happens, which you know is going to happen. There's a Santa Claus at the orphanage. Uh, the cops show up. They're yelling, freeze. The guy's in stopping. He's just moving slowly towards the kids. The cop's saying, stop or we'll shoot. Right. They shoot the guy and kill him. I love the reveal after that where the nun goes, that was Father Baxter. <laughs> He's yeah. deaf. Yeah. They didn't hear them. You know, it's just <laughs> very, very convenient, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, and then finally... Uh, Billy makes it to the orphanage. Uh, he meets his maker at the hands of the 
uh, abusive nun, I believe, kills him. Yeah. Um, who's supposed to be a bad guy, but then actually does uh, redeem him through death or something. So it's it's a very odd, odd ending. And then the last thing is, is you see like another little kid going naughty or nice, and you realize, oh, now that kid's been affected, and this will happen again. And I thought because it was a younger kid that it must be the baby grown up now but i think the age difference is probably too great for that to be the case yes in the second film yeah which you have not seen i have not seen but i have have read the synopsis and here's the synopsis of part two and i i do need to watch this in silent night deadly night part two billy's younger brother ricky follows the family tradition of christmas carnage psycho santa is back to deck the halls with chunks of bodies. That's good. That is good. And I, uh, one of the controversies uh, uh, about the movie was the poster. Yeah. This poster really. Well, I'm getting to that. Okay. I'm well, when you that. do, I want to talk about the poster for the second one. So Charles E. Sellier Jr. directed this movie. And the man is brought on to do this movie and was so uncomfortable directing the rape scenes the sex scenes, and the gore scenes, the entire movie. I don't know if he didn't read the script or, or what, but he was like passing out, like so uncomfortable with having to do these <laughs> movies that the editor had to step up and direct any scene with gore right. or rape. So okay. the, dire- the editor essentially directed the movie. Okay. Then this guy, Charles E. Sellier, was riddled with guilt because America, not just the PTA, but critics and everybody else, turned on the movie in a huge way. The movie comes out and they're advertising it in prime time with Santa Claus running around with an axe killing people. And kids are, of course, shitting their pants because now this thing that they're told is going to come down their chimney, they're right. now scared of. So Charles <laughs> E. Sellier, let me close out his story and then get back to that, the controversy. He is so traumatized by what everybody's saying about his movie and that maybe he fucked these kids up. He only does religious movies for the next like 30 years. He goes strictly like born again. Any of note? No, well, he invents Grizzly Adams. He created that character and did those oh, movies. Okay, yeah, um, I was looking at his director's list, and like nothing is highlighted to link on Wikipedia. Yeah, they're no. all these like straight to video, like beyond straight to video. Yeah, you can't. and he was, he did like George W. Bush Faith in the White House, a documentary in two thousand four. Okay, like the evidence for heaven. You know, okay. he's he fully went into this shit, but was always riddled with guilt about it, and then not, I think two thousand eleven. I'm not saying it's related to his guilt from this movie, but who knows why people do things. The man killed himself. Oh, boy. How? He has this fruitful career where he's like, you know, doing all this religious stuff, and then he kills himself. How'd he kill himself? It's not, the cause is not listed, but just a terrible story. Maybe he hung himself with Christmas lights. Maybe That would be quite poetic. Uh, It really kind of bummed me out, but the movie, the the poster of it is Santa coming out of a chimney with an axe. Or going down the chimney, I believe. Or, yeah, going down the chimney with an axe. And so I get swept up in reading about the controversy about this thing. People are furious. They try to ban it. In its first week, it comes out the same weekend as Nightmare on Elm Street, and it made more money than Nightmare on Elm Street in its first weekend. And it was pulled from theaters right after. Yeah, people really flipped about this poster, which is crazy. I mean, you cut to now. Right. The the trailers you can see now at a PG movie are disturbing. I remember when Inglorious Bastards came out, mm-hmm. they had posters for the characters, and the Christopher Waltz character, I think that it said the Jew Finder, like on yeah. the poster. Yeah, that seems right. And I was like, 
I get that he's the bad guy, and like they're not <laughs> saying that's cool, but yeah. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you could just put that on a poster, I guess. Yeah, you, you can. Speaking of posters, I like the poster. I actually kind of prefer, they're both really cool. I think I prefer a little bit the Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 poster, which I have here for you to see if you haven't seen it yet. But it's a Christmas, it's a red Christmas ball. And in the Christmas ball reflection is the hand of a Santa Claus with a gun. Wow. Which is very. That's great. It's just great. And And then it says, prayers won't save you in the silent part of this night. What the hell does that mean? That means absolutely nothing. And the silent part of this night is some of the worst writing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, and they didn't, they didn't put the... It's all in italics. Just this should have been in italics. Yeah. This yeah. night. <laughs> I went back and watched, because I read about it on Wikipedia, the Siskel and Ebert review, which you can watch online, <laughs> of Silent Night, Deadly Night. Good. It is so awesome. So Siskel... <laughs> and these guys were all about all about not censoring things, free speech, etc. Cisco talks about the movie and then he goes, "So uh yeah, that's that's the premise of the movie." Um anyway, I just wanted to say a few things right now. And the whole tone's like different than any other Cisco neighbor. <laughs> he goes, "This movie was put out by TriStar Pictures. Shame on you." He looks in the camera and goes, "Shame on you." Then he goes, "Directed by Charles E. Sellier Jr. Shame on you." Written by Michael Hickey. Shame on you. He goes through the cast and crew and says, shame on you. How could it have been this controversial? I don't I know. I understand. It's a different time. And, but, but here's the thing. It was not controversial for the right reasons. Nobody was saying it depicts rape too passively or whatever. Now it's, it would be all about the yeah, rape. People, people then, were literally mad that Santa like, right. Claus was being evil. That's what they were mad about. That was it. And the ads for this, I think Aaron and Prompton was a big part of it. So then they cut to Ebert, who is like, you know, you know, he wrote movies for Russ Meyer. Like he wrote yeah. fucking Beyond the Valley of the Dolls or whatever. And I, he's he's literally doing one of those things. I, I always knew something great was coming when he'd be like shifting in his seat. Right. And like adjusting <laughs> his too small corduroy blazer, you know. Right. I'm like, oh, he's going to tell Gene like what an asshole he is. Right. And Ebert goes, and I'll tell you something else, you liberal Hollywood fat cats. Or, you know, he's going on. <laughs> He's going on and on and on. And he goes, uh, may, I, I'm going to try to remember the exact wording, but he goes, I'm glad you made a little money. And now as you slink back to your Beverly Hills mansions, <laughs> like the scum that you are. This is Ebert now? Yeah. As you slink back to your Beverly Hills mansions, he goes, I'm glad you got your money. But he goes, I just want you to think about the little kid who now has Santa Claus ruined for him forever. Think about the moms who have to tell their kid it's not real because Santa Claus not real five years too early. Uh. Think about what you've done. They're they're literally so furious at this. They're like <laughs> trembling. Well, this is this is a great way to segue into the movie review section because I just wanted to read reviews of this movie from uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Please do. Uh, this and uh, there's no top critic section. For Silent Night, Deadly Night on Rotten Tomatoes, believe it or not. So Did Scott Weinberg get a review, my buddy. Uh, Anytime I look up an old horror movie, Scott Weinberg's got a review. These are I haven't. He's scrolled. a great follow on Twitter if you're fans of horror. 
I have Scott Weinberg. He's the best. I haven't got. Uh, I can't. I haven't gotten all the way down the list yet because these are really good. Uh, this one's from Rob Vo or Vox, however you say it, at Mania.com. It had its moments. It had its moment and then vanished, like all garbage does. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Woo! Uh, John A. Nesbitt from Old School Reviews. A brutal reminder that Christmas can have negative connotations for some. Okay. Yeah, I'd say rape and murder would yep. cause somebody to have negative yeah. connotations. Uh, Rob Nelson from City Pages in Minneapolis says, Among the dozen or so victims of Santa's sleigh ride is a man who's choked to death with a string of Christmas lights and a young woman who's impaled, topless of course, on a pair of moose antlers. Yeah. So... It almost sounds like this guy's condemning the brutality in which the way the rapist was murdered. Yes, exactly. Right? I think he's the one that gets hung with the lights. Unless it's yeah. the guy she's fucking on the pool table. No, well, I, all I remember is the, the antlers was the topless girl. who was. Yes, fucking. that part. I, I understand yeah, yeah. that. that and that was consensual sex. I know that much. Uh, here's Dean King, super reviewer. Hard to see what all the fuss was about by today's standards, but suppose it was a bit shocking for 84. The film does look really dated, and now it's just unintentionally funny than, than scary or gruesome. A very poor film with cheap effects, bad acting, and little plot. I don't agree with that. Yeah, I don't either. A couple, couple one-liners from the time. Leonard Malton. What's next? The Easter Bunny as a child molester? Oh, boy. L.A. Times. It's safe to predict Silent Night, Deadly Night will start making worst movie of all time lists immediately. I don't agree with that either. No. Nope. And then my favorite, one positive notice came from Kirk Ellis at The Hollywood Reporter who complimented director Sellier's, quote, workmanlike competence. <laughs> That's the only good <laughs> review they have, workmanlike competence. Oh, boy. Oh, man, I love and it. And it's, it's just it's not that bad a movie. It was never released in the United Kingdom because they, they couldn't get it down to an 18 rating. Like, I don't get this shit. Well, I, I guess it's like that review that I read where it's like, you know, I guess imagining it's 1984. This was, yeah you know, it was a much different time. But it seems almost more quaint than Nightmare on Elm Street, really, which was released the same weekend, apparently, except well, for the Santa thing. I, I think I, I, I'm willing to bet that the play, the, 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 where this movie went wrong, at least for the times, and why Nightmare on Elm Street got more of a pass was there's a lot of implication in Nightmare on Elm Street without showing it. You That's get true. the idea that he's a child molester, but they don't show it. They don't show him ever murdering kids. Yeah. So I think... That's probably enough for most people. And yeah. I would agree. I don't need to see brutal rape scenes or anything of no. the like. Um, but I, I'm assuming that's why Nightmare on Elm Street... Because Nightmare on Elm Street's a really dark movie, too. That's, that's, not, that's no fucking pick-me-up of a film. Yeah. Well, the sick thing about these kind of grindhouse movies that Tarantino shows all the time at his theater in town, the New Beverly, is that rape is part of the fun of the violence and the everything else. Like These movies usually involve a rape or two. Uh, I'm not talking about his movie Grindhouse. I'm talking about Grindhouse cinema. Yeah, and it it becomes troublesome because it's it's never really a man rape. No, except deliverance. But uh, you know, yeah. so Which that's not, I, I understand why there's some there's backlash about that. My favorite little detail, and I think we probably need to wrap up. My favorite little detail about this is that Mickey Rooney, y'all know Mickey Rooney, love him, was one of the most outspoken and vocal critics of Silent Night Deadly Night. And he wrote a letter to the producers where he referred to them as, quote, scumbags. <laughs> You've ruined Christmas. And if you picture Mickey Rooney doing it, or better yet, Dana Carvey's impression of Mickey Rooney yeah. doing it. Yeah. 
uh, you can you can you can imagine how upset he was about it, ruining Christmas for all these people. Cut to years later, Silent Night, Deadly Night Five is being released, and who is in it? But Mickey fucking Rooney. What a son of a bitch! The money has run out, and Rooney's in the very movie he condemned. <sighs> what a son of a bitch! That's like Linda Lovelace when she did porn again yeah. right at the end. It's like, yeah. what are you doing? Well, I think you know, and there was speculation online. Even though I think people were just, if you've ever read, you want a real troublesome read. Look up, I don't remember what magazine put it out, but there's an article about Mickey Rooney's kids and how they abused and exploited him like constantly to yeah, the end of his I, life. I've, I've heard that. So maybe they wanted him to get some money and force him to do it. They also said maybe the movie w- was called something different and he didn't know. Well, that's possible. That does happen. I think the fact is he probably just needed some money. But Folks, that's clip- our holiday Hang episode. On, Joe. What? I want you to look up a clip of, of this movie online where the guy, I don't know, I've not seen it, but there are toys come to life. There's like a nutcracker type thing, and there's a, a, another rape scene. The nutcracker type. This is Silent Night, Deadly Night 5? Five. It's like a living doll, like this creepy, like, it's a man in a, in a suit, like he's a doll. Well, that sounds cool. And he takes down his pants to rape this woman, and he's got That doesn't the, sound cool. He's got the Ken doll no genital thing, uh-huh. and advances on her to rape her, and the scene cuts out, and I'm like, I don't want to know what happens next, and yet I'm very fascinated by whatever was going to happen there. Uh, so it gets a little supernatural down the line with the sequel. I think you and I should maybe uh, some some Saturday watch all four of the rest of them and just give a do one episode kind I'm not of encompassing ag- the rest. I'm not against it. The first one, I think we can both confidently say, is a is a fun, sleazy time at the movies. Folks, that's our episode. Uh, I had a great time here. I had a great time too. I'm supposed to read this uh, final thing. Well, at the end, hold on. All right. Watch out. Watch out. Learn from the way I did it. Okay. Would it have mattered if I did it sooner? Some severe situations. My short fiction column available at Fangoria.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, Joe DeRosa Comedy on both. Uh, I'm at the Patrick Walsh on uh, Vine, Twitter, Instagram. And uh, I guess most importantly, folks, Merry Christmas. And Happy Hanukkah. Uh, If you're home with your family, they're driving you, and Happy Kwanzaa. Family's driving you nuts. Bust out some old archives. We had a lot of great stuff. Last year's Christmas episode, we talked about Black Christmas. Um, we're just we're thankful uh, for you guys. We're thankful for your tweets. We're thankful for your love, your five-star reviews. Um, we are. It's great. We're, we're getting a lot of great feedback, and, and we love it. Thank you all. You've been listening to We'll See You in Hell, a presentation of the Fangoria Podcast Network, produced by Thomas DeFeo and executive produced by the great Ken Hanley of Fangoria Entertainment. For press opportunities, advertising inquiries, we are looking to advertise, and information about We'll See You in Hell, contact Ken at Fangoria.com or Joe and I at our Twitter profiles. Merry Christmas, everybody. Be safe and Happy New Year. We'll see you in the new year.